0: Welcome to Family Tech Talk, the show that helps you be the tech expert of your home. From interviews with lifestyle experts on how they use technology, to tech tips and the latest news. No matter what your skill level is, you can be the person all your friends and family go to for tech advice. Let's get right into today's episode. Hello and welcome to Family Tech, where you get to be the tech expert of your home. Today we have a very special guest, Amy Winder-Newton, who currently serves as the senior advisor to Governor Cox, the governor of Utah, and is the director of Office of Families. I've invited her here to discuss the recent campaign they launched to educate parents on the harms of social media and recent laws passed in Utah about teens and social media. So Amy, I'd love to hear more about your role in the governor's office and your background and kind of more about you. Well,
1: thank you. I appreciate that. It's a pleasure to be here. Um, I was hired by Governor Cox this last September. Uh, He had come up with the idea about a year and a half ago to have an office of families that looks exclusively at family policy and how we can better strengthen families on the front end so that we get better outcomes for our kids and we're not spending so much in social services dollars later on. Uh, We know families are the best place for kids to Uh, get be raised and to get the education that they need and the direction and help. And so that's basically what I get to do is work on different issues. Right now we're working on things like um, helping vulnerable families through a home visiting expansion program. We're looking at childcare issues in Utah. How do we help parents choose what's best for them and their kids, whether it's a stay at home parent or a parent that works that wants high quality daycare Um, we're looking at how do we better work on youth mental health, which is where the social media campaign comes in. We're looking at how do we help young adults launch? We're concerned about some of the numbers that we're seeing there. And then, um, we also are working on things like how to have better family friendly workplaces through our business community. And so those are some of the the issues we're working on this year. (laughs) Just a couple. (laughs) Just a few. And it's a one woman office. So, you know, it's, we're still trying to figure out what that looks like as well. But it's been a lot of fun to, to get to work on these important issues, look at ways that we can help our kiddos and our parents and, and continue to have be the best state for families.
0: I love that. Um, So you and Governor Cox, I saw all the news last week, uh, just uh, unveiled an awareness campaign on the harms of social media. Uh, I totally agree. Parents need to get more involved in what their kids are up to online. Uh, It's definitely something that I I preach here on this platform. Uh, And hopefully this helps. Uh, So what are some of your goals with this campaign and how are you going to measure how successful it is?
1: Well, our goal is to engage, educate and empower parents. Um, we've actually started with some surveys of parents in Utah to kind of get an idea of how much do they know about social media and what's happening with their kids. And we'll do another one after at the end of the campaign to see if we were able to move the needle there. But I mean, when we see the data, we're incredibly concerned we, we know in Utah, only 37% of our youth got at least eight hours of sleep on an average school night, which that drastically affects learning abilities. 32% of our youth felt sad or hopeless for two weeks or more in a row during the past year. Um, 18% of Utah youth seriously considered suicide in the past year. So some of these numbers are really startling for us. Um, We also have a study from the University of Utah that shows that young adults who use social media are three times as likely to suffer from depression. um, the mental health piece is huge for us. And we, in, in measuring data, we, we saw that 88% of our parents believe that there is some sort of detrimental effect on social, on mental health for children who use social media. And so we are grateful that that many parents realize that there's some issues, but we recognize that a lot of our parents don't understand really what kids are dealing with when they pick up those devices and start scrolling um, you know, everything from predators to bullying, to eating disorders, to sexting and and uh, sex torsion um, to pornography. And, and there's a lot of things there that even the comparison piece and data shows that it's especially harmful for young women who are going through puberty. That time period, um, social media is really impactful and harmful there. And so Our governor has taken this on as an issue that he sees as so important and critical in affecting the mental health and well-being of our our kids. And that's why we launched this campaign. Yeah,
0: and that's great. I will say the sleep portion is one of the things I preach the most on this platform. I think, you know, shutting down the Internet at night is so important for, for me to kind of get parents to understand because there are so many kids just on their devices so late at night. And, you know, I think the sleep portion is a huge part of this uh, mental health crisis. I agree.
1: I agree. I mean, I always say I can get through anything if I get good sleep yeah. <laughs> and you know, our, our kids, their learning is so that's so important and a lack of sleep is a big issue.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah for sure. So a lot of information in the campaign um, seems to have come from the social, the social, the Surgeon General's advisory on social media and mental health, uh, which I read through the whole thing on this platform in a live um, live episode. Um, so how much did this advisory influence your decision to launch this campaign, or was it already in the works when that came out?
1: Yeah. So this last October, when our governor was doing one of his monthly news conferences, he announced that we were going to be doing a campaign to educate parents on the harmful effects of social media. So we've been talking about this for about nine months now. Um, what we've loved is as the Surgeon General has come out with his tips and with his proclamations that's, that 13 is too young for kids for social media, they should be waiting till 16, 17, 18. Um, we've really piggybacked on that because we feel like that's a helpful message from the Surgeon General. And so we do use a lot of, of his data and his tips in, in our platform. Um, our website is socialharms.utah.gov. And um, we do talk a lot about what he has recommended. We feel like that that's a great source for parents to, to recognize is also on board with this movement.
0: So as part of the campaign, you suggest five things parents can do to
1: help. And what are those things and how can parents get involved? Well, I think this is especially timely as people are heading back to school. And as we look at back to school tips for our parents, I think social media and media conversations are especially necessary. But there's five things. The first one is create a family media plan. That involves open discussions, agreeing on expectations. I always think as a parent, it's so much easier if you set your boundaries and expectations up front with your kids, because then, you know, when the hard times come and you have to follow through, at least you can say that they knew and and there were expectations there. I think even writing down your media plan is really helpful. Um, You know, I had, we had a, so all of my children are now young adults. I have kids 19 to 27. And when they were teenagers, we had the rule that they had to check their phone into our bedroom at night. We didn't trust them to just leave it on the kitchen counter, which for good reason, because one night I went to bed and I noticed one of the phones looked a little different and I went and picked it up. And one of my kids had taken the phone out of his case and just left the case with the plug into the (laughs) case to try to fool us. So I learned my lesson there, but Anyway, so you always have things like that, but we had that rule. And, you know, as our younger kids came along, they just knew that was the rule. Um, and so having rules like that in place are, is really important. The second thing is to create tech-free zones and encourage children to foster in-person relationships. You know, one of the things our communities are just hungry for right now is human connection. And COVID made that especially um serious so we've we've got to do a better job of connecting with real humans that's what helps feed us and helps us to be more mentally and emotionally healthy and um as a family recognizing when you should restrict phones maybe it's before bed um for sure during dinner time right we still have data that shows family dinners are a protective factor for a child's mental health and well-being, So how, as many family dinners as you can have where devices are put away and you're having that time to connect is so important. Um, you know, we also would love to see our schools have more tech-free zones. We'd love to have every, the governor would love nothing more than to have every school classroom be tech-free where you come in, you put your cell phone in a cubby or something, and you go and sit down because we know that that's going to help learning um, happen. So anyway, but but creating those tech-free zones and talking to kids about human interaction. The third one would be modeling responsible social behavior, social media behavior. So kids are learning from us as parents, right? And there's a Wheatley Institute study that shows that though kids' mental health is affected by social media, how much their parents are on their phones and using social media also impacts a child's mental health because it's awfully hard to compete with Instagram, right? For mom's attention and (laughs) what message that sends to our kids. That's huge. And I've got to work on that. I mean, I think all of us as adults need to do a little bit better. So modeling that that behavior is really important. The fourth one is working with other parents to help establish shared norms and practices. One of the biggest complaints I hear from parents is, yeah, we, our kids tell us we're the only ones who have these rules in effect. And, (laughs) you know, our poor kids are the only ones left out of social conversations on Snapchat or whatever, because we've got this rule. Well, if you can get with your kids, friends, parents and say, look, let's figure out like what, what do we want to encourage? Do we want to just tell our kids, Hey, you need to text each other. That's what you're going to use to communicate. And we're going to all, tell them they can't use these other social media apps. Like having that group surrounding you and, and helping to back you up is huge. So if you can do that, if not, I still say to parents, go for it and do what you think is best for your child. But that certainly helps when their friends are also have this, have similar rules there. And then the last one is just overall reconsidering, allowing your child to have social media. I mean, like I mentioned, the surgeon general came out and said, 13 is too young. So these parents who are letting 10-year-olds have social media, like, please, please, please look at this data and recognize that is so harmful for your child. Um, Waiting until they're 16, 17, 18, or, you know, once they're an adult, that is such a much better and more appropriate time. But at the end of the day, we want to empower parents to make the decision that is best for their child. So, and there's, there's phones out there like Gab or Troomy that have already it built into, to to not have those social media um, apps on there and still give your kids access to a phone. So there are ways that you can do that. But I just say to parents, be strong, be brave, set boundaries. Our own governor doesn't allow his 16 year old daughter to have social media. So, and I know I have a neighbor, um, Rachel and Phil told their daughter, you you can't have social media until you're an adult. And man, I watched those battles and it was hard. They did let her have an Instagram account on mom's device that she could go on and post pictures and stuff, but, but not having it on her own device prevented that endless scrolling that sometimes happens. And she's 20 now. And Jessica was telling me, she's like, yeah, I'm so grateful. My parents did that. Now that I'm an adult, I see how harmful Social media is and was for my friends, and she's like, I'm so grateful that they stuck to their guns and that that we went through that, and they didn't allow me to have it. So anyway, just there's hope. There's hope but yeah, <laughs> stick to it, parents. It's not easy.
0: Yeah, no, it definitely is not easy. Um, so thank you. Those those are all really great tips. Um, uh, I I agree with um, most of them. I would say. <laughs> Um, but definitely 10, 11, 12, absolutely. They should not have a social media account. You're not like legally are not even allowed to have that account until they are 13. So, um, you know, don't let your kids lie about their age. Don't lie about their age for them, you know, just to get an account for sure. Um, and then, and then, yeah, like, you know, there's certain social media apps that I would wait, you know, 16, 17, but, you know, you can kind of step them through gradually and setting time limits, I think, is a really big thing. Because like you said, that endless scrolling is what's mostly damaging and the, you know, bedtime and things like that. You know, so if you're setting time limits and putting parental controls in place, you know, you can avoid uh, some of the most damaging parts of, of what you've got going on. Um, but in addition to this campaign, Utah made headlines by passing first of its kind social media law. I've read through the entire law. I actually have it like marked up down here. Um, I definitely have some opinions and thoughts about it, uh, and I've been meaning to make a video about it, but I just haven't had the time. Um, but the first is that some of the things in the law parents can already do, like like I was saying, set a bedtime for kids on specific apps and devices, and approve the use of a particular app. So why does the government feel, or I mean, why does Governor Cox or you know, the, the people who drafted this bill um, feel the need to get involved with parenting our kids in that way?
1: Well, I don't think um, the governor looks at this as us parenting your kids. I think that they look at it as we're we're providing tools for parents to use. You know, you may be able to afford um, an app that filters or does other things for you. Not all parents can. Not all parents have the the knowledge of how that works or how to do it. And so we want to empower parents and give them tools. And so um, social media companies needed to be reined in. And this was a way that Utah chose to do it. And so basically this isn't government telling your kids what they can and can't do. This is government giving parents tools to make the decisions that are best for their children. And so um, with our, with our law, with SB 152, it would come the default setting would be a curfew in place 10:30 to 6:30 but parents can adjust that um it would require parents to also give consent for children to have social media there would be age verification um it would uh, protect our kids from having direct messaging with people that they don't know um and and then telling our social media companies they can't collect the, the data of our minors you know, it's funny, we did this survey I told you about before the campaign to to ask about a few different things, and we had 82% of our parents say that they supported these laws in place, and it was very much a bipartisan, a bipartisan support in our state legislature. So um, we're really happy to be able to look at how we can better empower our parents.
0: Yeah, I mean, and, and I totally understand that. I, I will say, like, most of the parental controls, like, about setting a bedtime – are free they like are included in um you know the uh, the they're built into like android and um ios and things like that so you know a lot of these tools are actually free so like that's what i'm saying i love the education part of what you've got going on right now letting parents know hey these are the tools that you can already use to help curtail some of this Um, and so Anyway, I, some some of those parts is I, I didn't really agree with in the bill for sure, um, just because it's just things that we can already do, and with the um, the parent approval of getting these apps, I you know if I have to verify my age, if the kids are already getting the apps without their parent approval, they're just going to bypass any restrictions for Utah, like by installing a VPN, you know, they're still going to bypass that parental approval, no matter if it's required or not. So I, we don't,
1: we don't, yeah, we don't think most 10 year olds know much about VPN. So it will help a, definitely a portion of our population to discourage them. And, and quite frankly, the, the locations of those also can be um, tracked as we've looked at the tech related to that. So it's, it's one of those things. Not everybody agrees and that's totally fine. That's the great thing about America is we all can have different opinions. Um, but for our state here in Utah, the majority, vast majority is very supportive of this and we're excited to see how things progress forward. Sure. Um the, the and I love having the discussion. So, you know, don't don't feel like I'm trying to attack oh, think Yeah. No, I think it's great to have different viewpoints. I th- I think it's really healthy and I wish every parent knew as much as you did about how to get um help and protection for their children online. That's great that you Me too. That you That's you do why that. I share everything
0: I do. That's why you share. <laughs> it's awesome. Um, so the bill, as I read it, can be argued to exclude many of the most problematic social media applications, including Snapchat, Roblox, which is which could be considered um, social media, Instagram, Pinterest. So who decides which platforms would be subject to the law? Because as I was reading the exceptions, I was like, well, this can describe Snapchat and this can describe Instagram and this can describe Pinterest. So and, and these are exceptions to the rule. So um, So where, where are we doing there?
1: Great, great question. In fact, I had a parent the other day come to me and say, do you know that Pinterest has been so harmful for my daughter as far as body image issues? And I was like, I had no idea, but no, I, I totally agree there. There needs to be, um, I, I know our legislators right now are looking at that and figuring out, does there need to be some cleanup language in this next session to fix some of those things so that there's better clarity there? So. That's being, okay. that's being looked at.
0: Yeah. Being looked at. Okay. Uh, Cause I was like, most parents are concerned with like Snapchat, Instagram, Pinterest, and Roblox. And like, and these are all, all would be exceptions. It was like only TikTok could like on, be the one falling under there. So. Yeah.
1: yeah. I think Snapchat would fall under there on, you know, Facebook, Instagram. So, but you're right. I mean, there, there needs to be more clarity so that people know which yeah. ones specifically. So.
0: Yeah, for sure. Um, So many adults in Utah that don't have kids, you know, they'll see they see the headlines of this and they're not aware that it's come March. They're going to also have to verify their age um, on to be on a social media platform. So how are you addressing the privacy concerns for this law, especially for people who don't have kids who are, you know, going to probably get really upset once they figure all of this out?
1: So our division of consumer protection has, um, rulemaking authority in the bills to decide how that age verification process will will work. And they're actually in the process right now. They went through a public, um, input process. They're gathering the different comments and input. They've been doing a ton of research on age verification. Did you know you can verify even facial recognition, like your features, like a lot of, in fact, I think, uh. Meta has the the ability to do that already right now. But there's a lot of different ways that you can age verify. And it's actually not as difficult as it maybe sounds. I am not in the position to announce what we're doing with that. That's something that's um, under our Department of Commerce, the Division of Consumer Protection, that will be doing that um, in October. And so anyway... Stay tuned. Stay tuned. All right.
0: (laughs) That sounds great. Um, So I do like part of the law that requires um, a parent or guardian um, to access the content or interactions for minor accounts. Um, So when I was reading this law, it seemed similar to um, another bill that's being proposed uh, called let parents choose protection act um, which calls for social media companies to create parental controls built-in parental controls for their platforms and allow for parental monitoring of those platforms however the problem here is mainly with apple devices so where the device it doesn't allow for this kind of monitoring any social media platform would not be able to like conform to this. So what you're asking might be technologically impossible for a lot of platforms to comply with without going after Apple themselves. So how are you thinking about addressing that?
1: You know, that's not within my purview, so (laughs) I don't know how they're looking at that. Um, I know, again, we've got our legislators that I know have talked to a lot of different companies um, and they're doing a lot of research. Our division of consumer protection is as well. Um so yeah so they're they're I'm sure they'll figure out how we're working through all of that. I just don't have the specifics. I got you. Yeah, no worries. Sorry to get all technical with you. No, it's great. You're going to yeah. teach me lots of good things yeah. today. I love it.
0: Yeah, I was the, the big problem with a lot of like the third party parental control um platforms is that Apple does not allow them access to the areas of the device because Apple's so concerned with user privacy, even if the user is a 13 year old. Um, and so the, yeah, the, the problem a lot of parents have is with trying to manage or monitor an Apple device. So, um, so yeah, I I can't wait to stay tuned. like, yeah, if yeah. Utah going to
1: go after Apple, that would be really interesting. <laughs> uh, it, it's there's so many, there's so many things. I mean, even we've had people talk about, well, what about looking at things, um, when you're actually downloading the app like at that level too you know right. and and how I'd love to get your take on this I was noticing a lot of our social media apps um say that they're good for 12 plus um mm-hmm. but yet yeah, there's content that's really not appropriate for a 12 year olds on there any thoughts on that as far as the app um designation age designation have you have you looked at that at all i'm just curious
0: so that's actually an apple thing so apple's app store has that 12 plus so the the play store um uses the esrb rating system which um specifies t for teen and so a 12 year old is not a teen um and that i think is more clarity than the apple store saying the 12 plus um mm-hmm. and so uh, Because, you know, the difference between a 12 year old and a 13 year old, like technologically, especially with regard to COPA, um, the Children's Online Privacy and Protection Act, you know, 13 is basically the age of accountability (laughs) for uh, for for kids. And so I think that could be fixed on Apple's part just by saying that 12 plus. Now, however, there are apps that are rated like E for everyone that have user generated content, and the user generated content might not be appropriate. So there could be explicit content within an app that is rated E for everyone. Um, and so what I usually recommend is, you know, especially in like the Google Play Store, there's a um, information icon, and you can tap that information icon, and it'll say exactly kind of what goes into that rating and what could be problematic. So with the Google play Store, it'll say if it has user generated content um, and it will also say if users can interact. So if you can have like private messages with users, which also might not be appropriate for um, children under 13. So um, yeah, so- that's
1: really good information for them to let parents know about. Right. I mean, that's the, what this needs to be is parents being informed and then being able to make the decision that's best for their kids. So I love that.
0: Yeah. So definitely don't just pay attention to the age rating, you know, look into what went into that rating and what, um, what they can do in pay particular attention to user generated content and users interact. So if you have any more questions for me, I'd be happy to answer. Yeah. I love that. Uh, That's great. Uh, But so here, and we touched on this really briefly that you mentioned earlier, and I love this. And this is where I think the government can really, really make a difference. um, And that's eliminating phones in the classroom in public schools. And so you said that that's something that you would, that the governor would love to see. I would also love to see that my, my son's uh, junior high just sent an email that there will be um, no phones in the classrooms this year. Um, And so I'm really excited about that for my son's junior high. But have you looked into maybe kind of making that mandatory for public schools and how that can help with the teens and social media?
1: Yeah, so we did have a legislator who ran a bill that basically would make that mandatory. It didn't pass. Um, So I think what, what we're looking at now is, would this because I mean, we really try to honor local control and and push that control down to the most local level, which would be the school district level or even individual schools. so we're we're trying to weigh right now. Are we better to encourage? and um, you know at what point do we need to take some harder? Stances on that because I know the governor feels very strongly. He does not. He knows that that's impacting learning. It's it's rude to our teachers who are trying to teach. I mean, there's there's no good reason to have a cell phone on a kid um, at school. But we do hear from a lot of parents things like, "Well, I want him to have the phone accessible in the classroom in case there was an emergency or something like that." And so I don't know if you've seen on, um, I don't know what your son's school is doing, and I'd love to hear kind of how they're handling it. But like, I was in a school where they had just those little clear, um, little shoe holders, you know, that you can hang up on a wall. They had those and there was a number on each one and each kid had had the number that they would put their phone into each time. And the teacher would actually take role using that, knowing that there are some kids who don't (laughs) have (laughs) cell phones and then, you know, recognizing that, that those kids, they need to see if they're there. But Um, But having the phone so that the kids can see them. Mm -hmm. And if there was an emergency or something, they could go grab their phone, but it's not on their person. It's the distraction is now set aside. And um, I honestly, I'm baffled that more schools haven't just on their own decided to do that. I think they need more parent support. So my plea to any parents in Utah watching, please go talk to your schools. Tell them you want this, that you want to have um that you'll back them up if they go to a no cell phone policy because it's going to help our kids so much. I mean it's interesting to talk to the different schools who have done this and just the difference that, that it makes. So, I'd love to hear how's your son's school doing it? Well, so they sent an email. The school hasn't started yet. So, oh, so I don't, don't I don't, don't know. know what they're doing shoe holders or like cubbies or what they're doing. Yeah. I mean, this is junior
0: high. So I don't know that they'd be really doing cubbies or something. It just sounds a little like elementary ish. Um, So I, I am curious how, uh, so I'll ask my son (laughs) next week. What, um, what's going to happen. But I, when I saw the email, um, I was really excited, you know, sent an email to the principal, you know, as somebody who loves technology and is very involved in this tech space, I'm like, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, I had officer Gomez who is, um, a, a strong proponent of, you know, parenting technology. Uh, and he's actually a school resource officer in Idaho. And, um, it, I had him on, on a live stream and we talked extensively about this, you know, policy and his school is doing it really successfully. And he said just the amount of, you know, bullying and issues that they've had have decreased so much since they eliminated phones in the classroom. Um, the other thing I think he mentioned was that like every time, um, a a notification comes into the phone, it takes a kid about 15 minutes to get back into learning mode. Um, from that distraction and when the distractions are happening constantly you know ha- it's impossible for them to really get anything out of the of the lesson that's trying to be taught i i just can't imagine how difficult it is for teachers trying to navigate that
1: yeah i agree i feel so bad for our teachers i mean i know some who just have kind of given up and they stand up and give their lesson and, but you can't leave that classroom feeling like it was a positive experience when you have a classroom full of kids just on their phones. Right. I mean, I just, I feel so bad for our teachers who have to navigate it. And what I don't want is for a school to say, well, it's up to each teacher to decide the policy because now you have teachers who have to be the bad guy. When some teachers might be like, Oh, I'm fine with phones. Like you really need to just have the entire school, have this policy in place. So I, I'm i excited for your son. That's great that you're doing that. <laughs> I know, Love me it. too.
0: Because <laughs> and, and it surprised me before my kids, you know, my daughter's in high school, my son's in junior high. Um, and, you know, but when my niece and nephew were in school, like there would be a times where I would be like, oh, I need to like text them this thing. And then they'd respond right away. And I'm like, how are you responding? Aren't you in school? <laughs> And like, I didn't understand, like, as I was just texting right away. So like, Oh, they'll see it later. And then they'll, they'll respond to me like, but I'm just thinking of it right now. So I'll text right. It right now. And I think parents really need to get out of that habit. Cause I think, um, and I forget who told me this once, but like most of the texts and distractions are coming from the parents themselves. And so are you serious.
1: Yes. <laughs>
0: Crazy. So, you know, when your kid is in school, unless it is like, you know, somebody has died, you know, maybe save that until they're done. And I think for a lot of us parents, we do that thing where we're just like, oh, I'm thinking of it now. So I'm just going to send it now, but not realizing how distracting that can be for your kid that's, you know, in classroom in a class at the moment.
1: Right. I mean, if you're shopping and you need to know your kids' pants size, just wait till they get home from school to ask them. Like, do <laughs> yes. not interrupt their school learning. I know. I agree. It's we're, we're, we live in an impatient world, though, right? Where yeah, yeah. So,
0: it's for hard. sure, it, it definitely is. So, you know, parents you know, don't text your kids while they're at school. And if like, if you want to reach out to your principal, say, Hey, you know, cause I think a lot of the times when, um, when schools do make these policies. And like you said, with that bill not passing, it's the parents who are scared that, you know, something's going to happen at the school and they're not going to be able to reach me. And, and I get that fear, but I think we're, we're making a bigger problem than what is the actual problem. Right. I agree. Um, So it kind of pivoting from that, um, because here's where Utah is definitely getting it right. Um, And it looks like a lot of states are following suit. We've got Mississippi, Virginia, and now Arkansas um, with the age verification laws to access adult content Um, and it's causing sites like Pornhub to block themselves from the state. I did a reel where I'm like, (laughs) I'm so devastated. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so do you think that, um, do you think this is a win that like other states are are doing this and, um, and adult sites are blocking that and you think more sites will kind of follow their lead and block and more states will also follow the lead?
1: It is awesome. I mean, we have loved being able to be one of the states to, to get this done. And it, it was overwhelming support from our legislators. Um, so we're really excited about it. We just recently had the, the judge um rule in this case here in Utah and, and we're we're thrilled. We're thrilled with the outcome. I will say um I had read I had read somewhere that in Louisiana, who's the first state to do this. It cut down pornography viewership by eighty percent. Is that the number you've heard too? I just thought that was amazing. I I haven't heard that number, but that's amazing. Yeah, because I think there was a deterrent. When you have to put in personal information, suddenly like the secrecy of viewing pornography is that that creates some issues. People worry that somebody's gonna find out or something. I don't know, but It has massively decreased the amount of pornography that's being consumed on those sites, which I think is awesome. So we're not sad in Utah to not have a porn hub. Um, when they threatened that we kind of just, all (laughs) okay, well, good luck to you. And, um, we're excited to, to have some better checks in place to protect our kids.
0: Yeah. So do you think like um, if, you know, say all 50 states end up enacting this law, do you think Pornhub is going to continue to block, you know, then suddenly they are blocked from the entirety of the United States? Uh, I mean, just curious. I don't know,
1: but I would be okay with that. I Personally, I think it's a great idea. Yeah, you, you just I, keep blocking yourself. <laughs> yeah, you keep you keep you just go ahead and you, you go focus on a different country. But <laughs> um, I'll tell you, this brings up an interesting question, because um, as we look at different states enacting, whether it's social media policy or other things, what I think the messages that we hope to send here in Utah to Congress is get your act together and figure out some good policies as a nation to help rein in social media protect our kids, give parents tools, and, and they need to come up with the solutions because this has got to be a huge pain for, for social media companies who have one state that has this rule and another one that has this one. And, and I think one of the reasons, one of the strategies behind us trying to move forward with legislation is to help encourage Congress to act and to look at something. And and there's some great options out there, right? We've got um, Representative Blackburn working on some things. Um, we've got some some good potential options. It just needs to continue to move forward. And so we hope, honestly, that there will be a federal fix for this so that it is across all states and more manageable for the social media companies.
0: Yeah. And I agree because that that is where kind of the the difficulty lies, I think, in you know making sure that you know they would either just have to change it for everybody, which would you know would be great to begin with, um, or you know they would d- follow suit with like Pornhub and just block from Utah so they don't have to uh, conform to right. the laws. And I can see really both scenarios playing out. Um, so it would be interesting to see which one actually actually happens. Um, but the I would like to see you know cause COPA and I talked about this with um, the the Instagram account the American Moms last week um, about how the legislation of the COPA restrictions so that's the Children's Online Privacy and Protection Act, right. was created way before any of this was really a thing and so it's really really outdated and and needs you know to have more language that. Is a you know is today and what is actually going on? Um, What are your thoughts on like how that
1: might play out? Yeah, I I mean it's interesting when you look back at the um, history of COPPA and how it was when it was first created. They actually had sixteen as the age um, that they were trying to get through, and the social media companies lobbied successfully to get it to thirteen. But then there's nothing that forces that age, right? So I think as technology and as age verification becomes easier and easier, um, we can put stricter guidelines in place of what is the right age and and you need to figure out how to verify that they're, they're at least that age. So I'm excited to see what's happening. I think that there will, I, I have, I know a lot of people have given up hope on Congress making some good <laughs> hard decisions. I have hope that we can get this one figured out because I just feel like this is a bipartisan issue. Um, you know, anyone who has teenagers is worried about this subject, so we've got to do something and I hope to see them succeed.
0: Well, I, I mean, honestly, I I've kind of given up a little hope because if they can't figure out the whole daylight savings time thing, then, you know, all right, I'll give you
1: that. I'll give you that one. Because the
0: daylight savings thing has been stuck for, you know, a couple years on the like, which one do we want to go with standard time or daylight savings time?
1: Yeah, I hear you.
0: Like, can we just make a decision on that and then just go with it? Because I am done changing my clocks. I know it's such a pain. Yeah, totally agree with that. So thank you so much Amy is
1: there anything else you wanted to mention talk about while we're we're still live? Nope, I'll just mention our our website socialharms.utah.gov. So thanks again. Yeah. Thanks for having me on. So thank you so much
0: Amy, it was a pleasure to talk to you. Thank you again for taking the time. I was honored. I I, I kind of reached out I'm like
1: I know I'm kind of nobody, but I would really love to talk to somebody. So We are happy to talk to you anytime. So thank you.
0: Thank you for listening to Family Tech Talk. If you enjoyed this episode, please feel free to subscribe and leave us a review so other people can find us. If you have any topics you want me to address or specific tech questions you need the answer to, please reach out on social media. You can find me by looking for Family Tech on your favorite social media platform, or you can join the Family Tech community on Facebook, Reddit, or Discord to crowdsource your question. I'm looking forward to connecting with you over there.